So we are beginning a new series called Meeting Jesus. And as I said earlier, Lent began this past Wednesday. And so during the season of Lent, we are focusing on different ways people came to meet Jesus in the Bible. And we will look at something unique about each person's encounter with Jesus and what we learn about Jesus from um, each meeting. I liked the questions we asked the kids. We got great responses. You know, hey, where do you think you'd meet Jesus? At the beach. Of course. Of course that's where you meet Jesus. Or at Disneyland. Somewhere. I'm sure he would ride Space Mountain or something like that. But imagine, just imagine what it would be like interacting with Jesus. You know, like we interact with each other. Where would you imagine that meeting would take place? And what would it be like? And what would you talk to him about? Some of our expectations about him would be met, and I bet there would be some things about him that would surprise us. And that's what we want to do in this series, is look at encounters where people met Jesus and see what we can learn about Jesus from those encounters. The scripture for this morning is Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Uh, go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. The Gospel of Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. You can also look it up on your phones. Uh, but in Matthew 3, uh, there is this encounter between Jesus and John the Baptist. Now, they were relatives, so this is not their first meeting. Yet, out of all the conversations that they must have had, this is the only direct interaction that is recorded in the Bible between these two. Our scripture reader for this morning is Carol Eiler, and so Carol, please make your way on up to the podium. As she does, I'm gonna ask if you're able to please stand and face the center of the room. Uh, we read from the center of the room to remind us that scripture is to be central um, in our lives. It is the primary lens of our faith, and we stand because we believe this is the word of God. And so, Carol, whenever you are ready, please read from Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Carol, thank you very much. You may be seated. We all have different things that we have a connection with or to. You know, things that we identify with. Um, it can be places that we've lived or schools that we've attended or sports teams we associate with or hobbies or favorite vacation destinations. Uh, and because we, for whatever reason, have a connection with them, we identify with them. So I've lived in Wisconsin, I've lived in Southern California, I lived in Idaho, and so I have this connection to those places. And when something happens, 
in one of those places. It gets my attention because I identify with those places. The tragic murders of the U of I students that made national news. It made national news because of the nature of the crime, but it really got our attention because it happened here in Idaho. Um, it got our attention because many of us have either attended U of I or we know someone who does. You see, we have this connection to it. Uh, the new movie, uh, Jesus Revolution, is about Pastor Greg Laurie. And when I lived in Southern California, I attended the church that he pastors, Harvest Christian Fellowship. And so even though that was a long time ago, I still feel this pull to go see that movie just because I used to attend that church. Uh, I still have this connection. I still identify with it. I like to golf, so I have this connection to it. I identify with it. I have an appreciation for the game, and I appreciate how good uh, the professional golfers on TV are because if I'm 150 yards from the green, my next shot, I just want to get somewhere close to the green. That's all I want to do. The guys on TV from 150 yards out, they will put the ball within 10 feet of the cup. Otherwise, they will not be happy. Uh, playing the game changes how you watch the game. If you've never golfed, golf on TV is meaningless and boring. If you're an avid golfer, those guys on TV are amazing. I've always been a big Star Wars fan. And I feel this connection to the franchise. And so when my kids started dating, I would ask whoever they were dating if they've seen all the movies. And if they said no, it was a requirement for them to watch all of them. And if they said yes, they would get a quiz from me to make sure that they weren't lying. Questions like, what was Luke Skywalker's call sign when he blew up the, best, the Death Star? What planet did Yoda live on in exile? What admiral was famous for his line, it's a trap, okay? The answer is just in case you're wondering, Red Five, Dagobah, and Admiral Akbar. okay? It's all about the connection. We have these things that we identify with, things that we feel connected to. Now, when John the Baptist uh, has his encounter with Jesus, the passage is about Jesus' baptism. Now, why did Jesus get baptized? When we get baptized, our baptism is connected to faith in Jesus. Well, what was Jesus' baptism about? Faith in himself? What, what is that? This concept of connection and identifying is key to understanding baptism. In baptism, we identify with the death and resurrection of Jesus. There's a connection to it. In baptism, we identify with the community of faith. There's a connection to it. Just as graduating from a school connects you to that school, baptism connects each of us to the faith and the church. So when Jesus comes to John to be baptized, he's identifying with something. And what is it that Jesus identifies with? What does he feel connected to. In this passage, there is this talk of superiority, specifically that Jesus is superior to John. Going back to verse 14, where it says, John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus comes to be baptized by John, and John tries to talk him out of it. And he says, I need to be baptized by you. 
Now, in the verses immediately before this, John tells those who came out to him in verses 11 and 12 of chapter 3, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John is baptizing with water for repentance. Now, remember that for a little bit later. That is going to be important. John is baptizing with water for repentance. But he says, one is coming whose sandals he's not even worthy to carry. The one who is coming is superior to John the Baptist. And so when Jesus comes to John the Baptist, John says, this is backwards. You should be baptizing me. It's like he's saying, you don't need my water baptism. I need your Holy Spirit and fire baptism. We like to identify with things that are superior. Best example of this is, you know, bandwagon fans of sports teams. People who root for a team just because they're winning. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs, they won the Super Bowl. And that's three Super Bowl appearances and two Super Bowl wins in the last five years. Now, before they started winning Super Bowls recently, I could count on one hand how many Chiefs fans I knew. Now, they are everywhere. They are everywhere. Those are bandwagon fans. And I get it. We like to connect with success. When we see someone famous, we tell everyone about it. It's cool to see famous people, to be that close to them, or to go to famous places, or even to see like rare, cool cars. Last year, I was at my niece's wedding in Florida, and we saw a purple Lamborghini. And my sister took a picture with it, and I showed that picture of that purple Lamborghini and told that story to anyone who would listen. Now, I never would have done that with a purple Prius. Wouldn't have done that at all. But it was a purple Lamborghini. So you take a picture, you tell everyone about it. We want to identify with those things which are superior. We want to have a connection with them. It's our nature. The series is about meeting Jesus. And let's be honest, if we had a chance to meet Jesus, before our meeting with him was over, we would all want to take a selfie with him, okay, and then show all of our friends, hey, look, it's me and Jesus. Well, John didn't take a selfie with Jesus, but he did say, you should baptize me. Jesus was superior. But Jesus didn't come to be superior. Jesus came to submit. And this was a moment of submission for Jesus. Going back to verse 13 and verse 15, where it says, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. And then jumping down to verse 15, Jesus replies to John's objections by saying, let it be so now, it is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. Now, Jesus never debates John's point about who had the greater baptism. Jesus did. And even though Jesus was superior in person and in authority, 
He submits to John's baptism to fulfill all righteousness, he says. Now earlier, I said that when Jesus comes to John to be baptized, he's identifying with something. What is it that he identifies with? What does he want to be connected to? What was John's baptism about? It was a water baptism of repentance. Jesus didn't need to repent, but Jesus identifies with the repentant people of God. And the repentant people of God are the obedient people of God. Repentance is more than just simply saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is changing our ways. When we repent, we change from being disobedient to obedient. Jesus submits to John's baptism. He's the Messiah who submits because Jesus wants to identify with those who obey. Many of us are familiar with the concept of love languages. Love languages are ways we receive and express love. Jesus' love language is obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Jesus receives and expresses love through obedience. So even though he is superior to John, he humbles himself. He's the Messiah who submits. Isaiah 57 says this. This is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place. But also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. God doesn't just live in a high and holy place. He lives with those who are contrite in spirit. A contrite heart is a repentant heart. It's a heart that submits. And that's what Jesus identifies with in his baptism. It is what he feels a connection to. And one quick practical application for all of you. As I said earlier, Lent began on Wednesday. A common Lenten practice is to give up something we enjoy from now until Easter. Now, I'm sure that some of you have already identified something that you've already began to give up for Lent. For the rest of us, it's not too late. We can still do it. It's a great way to practice submission. You simply commit to give up something as an act of faith. And you submit to your commitment to God every time you want that thing that you enjoy and you choose to give it up for a time. That's your act of faith. And in the back, by the prayer wall, we have little pieces of purple paper. And I encourage you to identify something to give up for Lent, if you haven't already. If you have already, you can still go back and write that down on a piece of paper. That counts. 
But whatever it is you would like to give up for Lent, write it down on a piece of paper, purple paper, and put it in the wall as just your commitment to do that between now and Easter. Jesus' submission is the source of his significance. Jesus' significance isn't because of his superiority. It is because of his sonship and submission. Going back to verses 16 and 17, where it says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Jesus' baptism, it launches his public ministry. It's the formal beginning of his mission. It was confirmation of who he was and his relationship to the Father. And it's upside down from how we do life. We find significance in moving up the ladder, the social ladder, the economic ladder, the education ladder. Whatever ladder we're on, trust me, we are climbing it. And that is not how Jesus finds his significance. There's nothing wrong with advancing and making progress. That's all fine and okay. That's just not where Jesus finds his significance. He finds it by submitting to the will of the Father. He identifies with the humble, the contrite, the repentant people of God. He does not connect with those who think they know better, with those who think that climbing the ladder is the source of significance. Again, it's fine to climb the ladder. Just don't rely on it to find your significance. All of us by nature, we're climbing the ladder. It's just what we do. And I'm not sure how any of us are gonna just immediately stop climbing our ladders tomorrow. But it's important to remind ourselves that those moments when we do pause and just stop climbing and humble ourselves and submit, it is in those moments that we find significance. As Paul writes in Philippians about Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus came down from his superior position, identified with the repentant people of God, submitted to the will of the Father, and found the greatest significance anyone will ever achieve. Jesus is the Messiah who submits. Please pray with me.
And Lord, I would ask that you would give us contrite hearts, that you would put in us a spirit of repentance, where we would go beyond being sorry for the um, sin that we do, and Lord, that we would change, even if it's just one little step at a time, and become more obedient to you. Lord, we thank you for the obedience of our Lord and Savior Jesus, who by his submission and sacrifice, all of us are saved, who believe in his name. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Receive God's blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.